Lord, Father God, you are an awesome God to serve. An awesome God. A faithful Father to love. To honor with our lives. I pray that as I share that these would be your words and that you would stir our hearts. You would stir our very thoughts. That what we do, how we serve, how we live, what we say, from all of our relationships to our very family, to our very children, what we do would be honoring to you and for you. That we would work unto you, Lord, not unto man. That we would work to serve you, an audience of one and no one else. That it be for you. And that with everything we do, you would be pleased and honored with the work of our hands, the work of our lives, with the very relationships and the conversations we have in our families, with our friends, even with our enemies. We pray, Lord. And we confess as well that you would convict our hearts that we would let go of those idle times, those lazy times, those times when we just don't want to get up as a sluggard that doesn't want to move, and that you would convict us of complacency, and that you would stir a fire in our hearts for a righteous discontent, to move from places that might be easy, might be comfortable, to sometimes the unknown, as long as we're keeping our eyes on you and following you as you lead us. We pray that tonight you lead us and you speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I I hinted in my prayer, if you don't know tonight, as we walk through Lent, to let go, to give up laziness. It's even hard for me to say sometimes. Laziness. I don't even like it when someone is called lazy. It stirs in me. And then this word complacency. I had to kind of unpack that a little bit and do some research. Complacent. I don't know. It's good biblically, faithfully in Scripture to be content in all things, but complacent. So I want to unpack that a little bit as we look at our scriptures, but I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story as we get going because my dad, who's not here tonight, but he's in Florida. We're staying at his house. Uh, What a blessing to come back to Pittsburgh and not have to find a house right away. That perfect house, that perfect yard. We're staying at my dad's house. But as I grew up as a child and as I take a look at these scriptures, and they gave me plenty of time to prepare, they gave me notice, I think, over two months to prepare for a message. I'm like, that's a lot of time. And so as I got to stir through the scriptures and pray about it, I, Lord, laziness. I can remember being a little boy picking up stones in my front yard, and my dad would say, I paid you a penny a stone. Pick them up. And then the sticks. And then a newspaper route. I don't know if I was eight or nine, but eight, nine, ten, until that newspaper route no longer fit in my bicycle. I had to put them in my mom's station wagon. We were, and then they finally got that plastic mailbox, and you could start putting them in a mailbox. And... And as the newspaper route grew, finally letting the newspaper route go to another boy in the neighborhood, and then working before you were allowed to work for as many people that you could. And I didn't have my own little landscaping uh, lawnmower company back then, but it was whenever and however you could work. And then when there was a spare hour after school and sports, it was going back to be where my dad was at, and he would put me back to work. Always growing up with this. So when I was a high school student, this is a little bit of a confession, and Dad, if you're listening on a podcast sometime, we called you the prison warden. <laughs> well, I didn't, with respect to try to learn to honor my dad for all those years, 
But all my high school friends called him the prison warden because they'd want to come out and hang out where we could hunt and fish and ride our bikes and, and our, our eventually drive our trucks. But they would always ask, is your dad going to be there? Because he would, if they showed up, he'd put them to work before they could play. That was the deal. Work hard so you can play hard. And after you play hard, let's get the work done again. And, and there was always something to do. And so a bit jokingly, they started to call my dad the prison warden. I don't think I've ever acknowledged that to my dad until this confession time. But it was moving piles of rocks from here and eventually moving that pile of rock over here. And, and so staying at my dad's house uh, over the last couple months, I realized he's going to be coming home from Florida soon. And the yard, it's not one of those yards where you have a few trees. It's one of those yards where the house sits up on the yard overlooking kind of the uh, Fawn Bell Valley. I call it the Valley of Fawn Bell. It's, I don't know if anybody's from Fawn Bell, but it's beyond Zelenopol and past the airport. And I know my dad's coming home, and something inside of me stirred. There's a lot of sticks in this yard. <laughs> there are old trees. Every time it rains, like last night and the night before, more sticks. So he doesn't have just a few. He's got, I tried to count them. I counted, got the 70, 75 trees surrounding this house. And then the yard goes beyond that. And you look up, there's a lot of trees. So I've got a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 11-year-old. And I found myself putting them to work, picking up sticks. I thought, well, you know, a, a teenager doesn't learn chores at 13. They're not highly motivated. They learn the responsibility and the work at, as young as they can. So thankfully, as my oldest is a hard worker, my youngest and basically every boy after him watched him work and watched their dad work, and so they followed in steps. So my two-year-old was dragging logs up in New Hampshire because he wanted to bring them to the splitter like the other boys, and then he wanted to sit on the log splitter in New Hampshire. And so just two days ago, I was thrilled because in my heart, I wanted my dad to be pleased, that I wanted my kids to be faithful and responsible because I know he's coming home in another month and we had a lot of sticks in the yard. And, and just so they didn't just show up and see all these sticks and say, hey, what have you been doing? I know the church is keeping you busy, and you're, you're do, but my yard, what? Did you do anything while you stayed in my house for two months? And something inside of my heart, with the, with the right heart, was I just want my dad to be pleased. Now, growing up with my dad, uh, my friends called him prison warden, but we always worked. But I don't know that I heard from my dad many times, well done good and faithful servant. He was not that kind of dad. He, he was a suit for five days during the week, and then he was the guy with the garage mechanic shirt on on Saturday and Sunday, usually driving a bulldozer. And I was the kid next to the bulldozer with the chains. We didn't have cables. We had chains, and I was the guy tying up trees and moving. And so he worked seven days a week. I often never saw him out of the dozer on the weekend unless we were going to a sporting game or something, especially through the teenagers. And so I learned to work hard and I realized about just, well, really two days ago, and only God does this as you get ready to prepare, I'm a little bit like that prison warden because my kids are out there dragging sticks and I'm looking at the time going a little bit longer. I'll get there some trees over there. Take the trash can with you when you're picking up sticks. I'm like, my dad said that to me when I was 30, not when I was 13. And... And the funny thing is, in my heart, I, I knew where the passages were coming. I thought, wow, I, I, even if my dad's not pleased, but he will be because we got all the sticks. He, even if my dad wasn't pleased, I've learned through life to serve my heavenly father 
and to serve an audience of one. Because sometimes in life, no matter how we serve and what we do, there's too much rejection and, and never measuring up. And so we'll talk about the lazy response here in a second, because sometimes, and I'm making an excuse for the lazy response here, they're not lazy, they've given up. They're not just lazy because they're lazy, they haven't measured up. There's a fear of rejection, they've been hurt, and so they're just, I'm too afraid, I'm gonna hide what's been given to me. So we're gonna get to that, but as a kid, I was a little bit like that. I probably worked because I wanted to please my dad, but I learned through life, I needed to learn to please God first. I needed to learn to honor God first. And so as I was working with my boys a couple days in a row, because Pap Pap's coming home, I saw them out there working, and my wife was, dinner's ready. They're coming. Get the sticks. And as I was doing that, I realized, oh, I want them to serve and have a work ethic, but I probably have crossed that line. And as all the boys came in, I got the bathwater running and was telling the wife, keep the food hot, because... It's not hot anymore. And got the bath ready because they were covered. It was, it's been raining. The grass was muddy. And I'm bathing the kids and trying to get all the kids ready for the dinner before bed. And it's, I worked a little bit too long. But Pat Pap's coming home. And as we're working, I realized my 13-year-old boy did not come in. Now all the kids are inside. I'm looking around. And I'm like, I'm looking out there. He's still got that trash can. He's dragging, putting sticks in it. Matthew, what are you doing? So I yell out the window, come on, dinner's ready, the kids are... Matthew, he just had his head down. I, I know he could hear me. He was going to pick up the last stick. He's going to pick up the last stick. Pap-Pap's coming home. I could hear it in his head. It was in my head. But he was thinking, Pap-Pap's coming home. He spent a month with his Pap-Pap last summer. And he, and he learned, Pap-Pap still, he works your hard. That's a good generational trait. But my kid wouldn't come in, so finally I got out there, and here's, a, here's the moment. Matthew, I am so pleased with you. I'm so proud of you. Matthew, well done, my son, my firstborn son. You have shown all the boys that you're not going to give up the work, but come in and have dinner. And he looked at me, and he picked up another stick. <laughs> and so I grabbed the trash can and put a stick in the trash can. And as we walked up together, we're putting sticks in the trash can. And I started to walk a little faster, and he's dragging a little slower, trying to get the last stick. That's just the way my 13-year-old is. I'm thinking, oh, I, I hope he realizes I'm pleased with him. He's a hard worker. Now, here's the reality. I, as much as I know I need to serve my Father in Heaven, and he's really the audience of why I serve, I still get caught up trying to serve others and, and do the work unto man and to my own dad. There's a million sticks out there. I don't know. We counted, ready? 3,000 sticks, because I wanted them to count. So each boy, give, give me 100 sticks. Give me another 100 sticks. You know, and Isaac can't count. He's four, so we're counting for him. But Andrew's like, well, I got 85, and he's my seven-year-old. He's counting for everybody else, and who has the most. And as all these boys are working, I realized, great, family huddle, guys. Know that I'm pleased with you. Know that I'm so proud of you. But my 13-year-old son, I wasn't sure. And so everybody's upstairs, like I told you, the bath, all that stuff, and I just got to share this with you because I couldn't get my kid inside and he finally gets inside and I said, Matthew, those sticks are going to be there again tomorrow. You're faithful. And he, and he said, Dad, I don't want to be called lazy. I don't want to be lazy. And, I, and me, I don't ever want to be called lazy, but there was a hurt there. I don't want to be called lazy. Dad, I'm thinking, oh God, you gave me a great sermon on Wednesday. This is like, you know, Tuesday and, and Monday and 
And so I prayed with him. I talked with him and said, look, I love you no matter what. Come in, let's eat. Now, here's the confession, Dad, if you're listening on podcast. I left the water running in the bathtub. I saw my kid out there. I don't know if it was 5, 10, 15 minutes, but he has one of these houses that has a master bath with a window that can look down into the yard. And his master shower is bigger than my bathroom. And his master bath is really cool. So I told the kids after picking up sticks for Pat Pat, we'll take, we'll use his Whirlpool bath, you know, which has a step up into it. And you get in, it's kind of like one of these things. And it looks more like a baptism tank. And I left that thing running. And it overflowed. <laughs> Forgive me, Father, if you're listening. And so the water's flowing over, and it not only went to the floor, I don't know how long it was. I told my seven-year-old, why didn't you just shut the water off? Well, we were trying to find you, Dad. <laughs> Turn the water off. So water not only went through the floor, there happened to be one of those cold air returns on the ground, and and went down that, and he's got this really expensive Brunswick pool table downstairs, and the water's dripping downstairs through the basement. But it missed the Brunswick table by inches. I tried to move it. It was too heavy. Boys, help me move it. It didn't work. And I, I sat down there, and I had to confess to the Lord, going, my dad is going to be so, what, not pleased with me after all these sticks because I just created a waterfall all over the rug. Through, I mean, the ceiling tiles broke through, and it's a finished game room basement. He's got his Steeler shrine of autographed Jack Hams and Franco Harris's. They didn't get wet, Dad. They didn't get wet. But I was thinking, oh, Dad, he's going to be so unpleased. And I stopped and I prayed. And God was so good. I don't know if you ever hear a whisper from God, but at least the impression on my heart was, I knew my dad would be upset. But my Heavenly Father in prayer, I stopped, and I just heard that, I'm proud of you. Well done good and faithful servant. Of course, it's the passage and we're praying, but what I wanted to hear from my own dad is, well done, good and faithful servant. After the waterfall vent and the floor soaked and the tiles down, I don't think he's going to be pleased. But God whispered that as my mom laughs. But I heard the whisper that no matter what happened here in this mess, hey, well done. Just well done that God is still pleased, even if my own dad is going to not be happy with me. The passage really speaks to what God entrusts to us. As we talk about letting go of laziness, there's a reason. As we speak about when God gives us talents, he's entrusting to us his property. He's entrusting to us to live for him and be responsible. And so if you take this idea of letting go of laziness or complacency, It's flipping that upside down and saying, he's calling us to be faithful. If if you've ever been called lazy, it's learning to serve God and the Heavenly Father that we love and know. And through a relationship with our Lord and Savior, through the Lent season, as we give up these things, it's saying, I'm serving an audience of one. Well done, good and faithful servant, is the whisper the Father gives as we serve him and are faithful with what he gives to us. And so if you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and you take a look at the passage and you read through this, I just was like, the wicked, lazy, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Even when you read it, I was like, why does that hurt? Because I think as a kid, I just realized, I don't think I can ever do enough. But the passage and the parable, the story that Jesus is sharing with us, is the father, the master, is saying, well done. 
You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to give you more. You've been responsible. I want to entrust you with more. But I, I have a hard time because the guy that got five got more, and the guy that had two got more. And the one that was called wicked and lazy, I don't know why that stirs in my heart. He dug his own hole. When he digs the hole, I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but when he dug the hole to hide the money, he really was digging his own hole. And, and Jesus coined it first, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. He didn't use the talent. He didn't use the gift that was given to him or the money. And he, it's taken away from him. So Jesus said, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Kind of, It was there in the scriptures. And as you unpack this, that's where I wrestled with it. I said, come on. He, he was just trying to do the right thing and didn't want to lose it. But the passage actually says he was afraid. I think we remember, hopefully, the faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. But tonight, it's a confession of you wicked and lazy servant. Following the passages that Pastor Jamie read was what you have is going to be taken from you. It breaks my heart. But it said he was afraid. He knew his master was hard. Maybe he was the prison warden. I don't know. Maybe he, he grew up with a dad that he, he didn't maybe couldn't please. And if the dad was pleased, he never heard it. Maybe he grew up, and I'm, I'm making excuses for the lazy. If you've ever been called lazy, maybe you never have, and it's hard to understand. So when they gave me this passage, I'm like, lazy? I don't know what that means. I said, I'll probably will, you know, I will break before I, I stop moving. I will, I will definitely not rust out, but I will, you know, wear out eventually. Uh, and always moving. But maybe you're wired up that way. But the lazy sometimes is afraid. And so we don't do what God is asking us to do because we've already been hurt or we've been rejected or what if. And so fear gets in the way of serving the Lord. Fear gets in the way of saying, hey, I've entrusted you with this. And so fear, when it says he was afraid because he knew who his master was. And so when I say taking a kind of a different perspective and looking at the lazy servant, Proverbs tells you that the sluggard, get up, you sluggard. You know, when I get home, you'll get to meet my wife. She's beautiful, I love her, but sometimes I just crash. Right now we're in an apartment, and I'm, our bed is kind of behind the couch, and my three kids are in one bedroom, and my other three kids are in the other bedroom, and so sometimes I don't crash on the couch. The bed's much more comfortable. So I crash on the couch, and my kids come over to me, and my wife says, why are you laying down? I'm hearing, get up, you sluggard. I just had like 18 hours, you know, back to back, and, and they keep reminding me, take a day off, and, but something has to get done. But in my heart, I've learned, to, and I'm confessing to you, this is a confession if you're with me, is I need to learn to serve the Lord as my audience and please Him, even if I can't always please others. But something inside of me always wrestles with who am I working for? I'm not working for Christ Church at Grove Farm. I'm not working to be the godfather of middle school, high school student ministries, or a reputation. I'm just so excited that when I work, I'm living my life out as a thank you note to Jesus Christ. That why I do what I do is I want to see my family grow to love the Lord, and when they want to do something, it's not because Papap's coming home. I love you, Papap. It's not because their dad is asking them. It's because their Heavenly Father has given to them the most faithful servant, the perfect servant, our servant Savior, Jesus Christ.
that servant and savior who humbled himself to become obedient to death on a cross. That in Philippians chapter 2 that says, he humbled himself, emptying himself, fully God to be man, who became obedient to death on a cross. And if Jesus Christ is the faithful and perfect servant and died so that we might be forgiven, so because we don't measure up, I don't measure up, I'm not the Godfather of. Because I don't measure up, he did, and only he could, I now can live my life with a motivation to live a life pleasing a Father in heaven. Not an obligation. And so that word obligation, motivation, and you look at the passages, some of us still feel like, I've got to do this. I'm obligated. Or, Pap-Pap's coming home, I better get it done. But a heavenly Father says, I died for you because you don't measure up. You don't have to be afraid. I've entrusted you with this relationship and this conversation. I've entrusted to you this part of my ministry or property. Be faithful with it. And so the motivation to be faithful is not an obligation of dragging your feet, Uh uh-oh, the master's coming home. There's not a fear that creeps in to hide it or dig a hole or your own hole and not do anything because at least I won't lose that money. There's a motivation that stirs inside of us that because of what Jesus did, and as we draw close to Easter, we live a life where we're always drawing close to Easter. It's not just in April, sometimes March. Is that we live out a life as a thank you note that says, I will serve the Lord. Because of what he did, and because he died, I live. But he didn't just die. He's a resurrected Savior. And as we draw close to Easter, well done, good and faithful servant is a whisper we can lean in for, listen for. Because he was faithful. We also, not just at Easter time, are forgiven. And we don't measure up because of anything we've done or work for. But we are hearing well done and good and faithful servant because Jesus served obediently and faithfully. And so because of his righteousness, his perfectness, it is, the term is called imputed. It's given to us. We are robed in righteousness because of his righteousness. We're now clothed and God, our Father, sees the perfect Son, Jesus Christ. It's a hard picture. But even when you're working with kids and families, because of what he did, God sees that, ready, righteousness, that perfection. And telling a kid that God is so pleased with you is not something our kids or even as adults ring in our ear. But he's pleased with you because Jesus paid it all. He paid the price so that we can be made right with God forgiven, and in a right relationship, live enthusiastically. Even if we don't take a day off all the time. Live motivated as a life to say, I just want to live my life as a thank you note. When I learned that when I was in middle school, you know you can live your life for Jesus just telling him thank you every day. It rang in my ear. And it shifted from trying to please a dad that probably was very pleased, but never said it to living a life for a Father in Heaven who says, well done, good and faithful. You've put your trust in Jesus Christ. He died and paid the price. And because of Jesus and your relationship with Jesus Christ, we celebrate a resurrected life. Not a buried life. Not a crucified life that ends there. But when we give up things, it's perspective. 
we give up laziness and complacency because we're surrendering, saying, I want to live for Jesus. What does that look like? And the perspective changes. He's my audience of one. And because Jesus died, because he's our Savior, he's the perfect servant Savior, I now can live and work pleasing to him. And all of a sudden, my work turns into a joy. The talents and the gifts that are given to us become a joy. And work is no longer a labor. Have you ever heard the term? I didn't understand it as a kid, as a high school student, as an adult. Uh, a labor of joy? Work was hard. But then somewhere the obligation shifted to motivation. Because of what Jesus did, I then work unto the Lord, not unto man. So in Colossians 3.23, one of my, my theme verses, work not unto your dad, I paraphrase that, work not unto man or human, but work unto the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, 7, same thing. Serve wholeheartedly as unto the Lord, not unto man or pap-pap. Dad, I love you if you listen to the pap-pap conversation. But in my mind, I had a hard time, and I still wrestle with, I don't ever want to be called lazy. But then surrendering to God and saying, hey, tomorrow's another day. I just want you, Father, to be pleased. And I think that, if you can stir with me on that, it's going to be a prayer in, in closing. It just says, look, if you ever struggle with seeing someone else lazy, maybe you're, I'm not lazy, but seeing someone else who's idle, you know, the house leaks because of the idle man, that's another proverb. That one always, I'm like, got to fix the house. I don't want to be idle. The sluggard, wake up, you sluggard, in Proverbs again. Wrestling with, I don't ever want to be unfaithful to God, my Father. And then I realize, you know what, I am unfaithful. I will be unfaithful. Somewhere, somehow, I'm not going to measure up. And somehow in, in my life, God finally taught me, it's okay. He didn't say, you wicked and lazy servant, as the Master says here. He says, in those idle times, those frustrating times, those times when you don't measure up, I provided the perfect servant who did measure up. And it's okay. So it's really an apology. So you can let go of laziness, complacency, and say, I don't know. If, but if that's you, you say, all of a sudden, wait a minute, I'm motivated. Pastor Mike is stirring my heart. I really believe the Holy Spirit and God is stirring you, saying, okay, I'm not going to be lazy because I serve unto the Lord, not unto my boss. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I serve unto the Lord, so my relationship, my marriage, I'm going to work at it. It takes work, especially with six kids. Whoever and wherever you are, it's now unto the Lord, and then you say, I'm going to not just be complacent. I'm going to go for it because I'm going to do it for the Lord not for him or for her or for Papap, but for the Lord. And so I'm praying that our kids learn that and I'm praying that God still stirs that. But if that's you tonight, you can let go of this term laziness. I don't even like saying it. I had to say it five times tonight. Why did you give me this sermon? But well done, good and faithful servant. Because we serve him imperfectly. Because we serve our Lord and don't measure up, but because Jesus did faithfully to where he finally said in closing as he was serving and living out his last days as we approach Easter, his last week, not my will but your will. As he was at the Garden of Gethsemane praying uh, obedience to the very end. Not what I want but what you want. And that's how we're going to close in prayer. Let's pray. So Father God, as we pray it's a confession. 
that you would stir in our hearts because Jesus was faithful, because our servant Savior lived a life that was perfect without sin, but then offered his very life as a sacrifice so that we might be right with you, so that we would be forgiven. And because of that relationship, because of what Jesus did, we're not obligated to pick up every stick, Lord, but we can live a life that is motivated to say, thank you, Lord, you're an awesome God, you're a great God, you're an amazing God. And we can hear in our ears your whisper that says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm pleased with you. If you've never heard those words from a dad or a papap, he's pleased because you know Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one that paid it, fulfilled it. And so if you've never heard, well done, good and faithful servant, if you never finished picking up the sticks, or you made a waterfall crash through the master bedroom to the basement finished floor, no matter who's not pleased with you here, hear the words that our Father in heaven loves you, and is pleased with you. And then live a life that works unto the Lord. And hear, well done, good and faithful servants. Because Jesus Christ, our servant Savior, died on a cross. Perfect life that became sin who had no sin. Obedient to death on a cross. And then a life that did not end at the cross but a resurrected life. Our prayer is that, Lord, we would live resurrected lives, motivated to live for you, because Jesus, our Savior and Lord, has given us that life, because you, Father God in heaven, have given us a life that we might be honoring and pleasing to you, because you're a great God, an awesome God. May we live our lives for you. And when we're quiet, I pray, may we hear those words in our ears, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's because of Jesus, not because of anything we will do. But may we hear that whisper and serve and live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.